Welcome to Fur What It's Worth. I'm an innocent fox here. I just want you to know that you're all perverts. I don't know what I'm doing here. An introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. Wait, wait, we're doing this thing? This show may contain traces of milk, eggs, soy, gluten, and more than traces of nuts. Speaking of nuts, only one of these two fools has them. Here are Rue and Tugs. Actually, you guys are streaming live. Oh. Woo! So we are Where? live. So I want to see you fix this in post. Yes, I'm the one that has the nuts. Thank you very much. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, how old are you again? And are you a girl? Ooh, a burn. <laughs> There's two total on this year. Well, everybody. <laughs> Total and they share. First of all, I want to say thank you, Fire Breath, for introducing us. And our nuts. And yes, <laughs> and, or the lack thereof, Mr. Tugs. Um, what's, so what's today's topic? Today's topic is Halloween. You are not reading the show notes. I'm very disappointed. It's in like for Halloween. It's not. It's, what it's season about. five, episode four, Halloween, fifteen. It's not what it says in the topic, but we'll just keep Halloweenies. Halloweenus. Oh, weenus. Halloweenus. Okay. Ah, uh, took too long. You kind of killed me there. Yeah. I yeah. Did. What's up? Not much. What yeah. you been up to, Tugs? Um. Well, you know, I'm gonna tell a story about work, and I don't know normally, but this was just so great, and um, you can, you'll understand the kind of week I've had because this story. The style of things that happen have been happening in my work all week. Um, and I've just sat back and just let life happen. And it actually wound up being a pretty good week. Uh, so we we got new calendars recently. And uh, they ordered breast cancer awareness calendars because they were prettier and they were cheaper. Right? Mm-hmm. They pictures of breasts? <laughs> no. <sighs> no, it's like, you know, foliage and nature and, you know, things. But, you know, the pink ribbon, right? And uh, people are kind of uptight sometimes. And uh, so this person who's very special came up to the secretary, threw the calendar down and go, how dare you order something with the word breast in it? People might think I have them. (laughs) (coughs) Wow. Seriously. And this is why you work with these people, these crazy people. Okay. Was this a man or a woman? This was a woman who was very well stacked. Then this is she was not, as the secretary later put it, a member of the itty bitty titty committee. (laughs) (laughs) I I literally I could not even. Is she unaware that she has breasts? I I don't know. I like seriously, all I don't know what you do to that. Next episode, breast reduction. You do this. (laughs) That's what you do. Um, so. As I told people later, my week, uh, um, I'm cultivating my field this week a lot. My field is barren, where I grow my fucks this week. Very barren. Nice. I know. Uh, the other things that have been going on in my life, uh, I've been making a lot of Mario Maker. Ooh, I, Mario Maker. That how? is a lot of legs. So like, how can they follow you if the viewers want to sit? You don't. No, no, I just. You're not going <laughs> to share that. Um, you know, so here's the thing. I was telling you this when we were warming up. Uh, we got a game capture card. Uh, the husband did, and he was letting me play with it. So I captured stuff, and I'm actually going to make a lame trailer for my next series of levels. So uh, when it's actually done, I will probably say this is how you can find it, and it will have level codes. 
Oh, okay. Uh, because I'm not going to sit here and go one, two, A, four. That's really going to be stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll probably do. Uh, the other thing that showed up right before we started recording is this little blue Yoshi, yarn Yoshi amiibo, which is the cutest <gasps> is thing the ever. the cutest thing ever. My boyfriend bought all of them. I know, and he has a little amiibo anus. It says amiibo Nintendo on his butt. Yeah, he does have um, them. I'm going to have to get the giant one. I wish they'd do a giant blue one, but they're not. No, it'll be a giant green one, right? I'm going to get the green one. Uh, so it's super, super cute. And uh, yeah, it's giving me diabetes. And it's sitting right here on the show. Uh, well, my, it's really my laptop. But it makes me want to like show. pick it up and just beep its nose. like Right? Like, beep. Uh, and then I'm just getting ready for Furry Unlocked, of which we have no official affiliation whatsoever. Right? <laughs> so uh, yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm ready for it to be. Over? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. It is. It is a lot of work. Um, and then I'm not going to be staff anymore, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, also, shame, shame. I'm doing the shame bell on all the insanity that is still coming out of the Rainforest Fallout because now I'm hearing questions about it from my friends that aren't furries. I'm hearing it from my Star Wars geek friends. I'm hearing it from my my brony friends. Um, you know, people who run other conventions like, what the hell did you guys do? And we're gaining a reputation for being unstable partiers. So we got to step it up. That's my personal opinion. It is not the show's opinion. How you been, Rue? Oh, my goodness. I've been doing great. But I have my own opinion about the rainforest thing. Really? Is it, is it this opinion? I like being anal. Oh, my gosh, Tugs. This is officially, uh, officially part of the soundboard. We captured it during warm up, but we decided to make it official. No! It, was a vote of, it was a vote of one and a half to one. Uh, because Corey was a half vote. We love well, them. whatever. I just happened to push the record button at the right moment. Well, I think I think we'll like we'll let Quinn have an honorary vote. Quinn, we'll introduce you formally <laughs> later. But you <laughs> voted yes, right? I vote yes. Good. Oh my goodness, no! You can't vote against me. I like being. Uh. <laughs> so what else have you been? Uh, uh, God, well, I don't even know what we're doing now. No, I was just talking about rain first. Just <laughs> you, you know, number one thing, guys, that you need to know is. Um, you know, this was one individual that did this, you know, it is, I mean, I understand that there was multiple things that happened, um, you know, and I, I completely understand that we all need to make sure that, you know, when we go to these conventions, we leave it better than, you know, take, take a rule out of the Boy Scout book or whatever. Um, always leave it better than you, um, you found it. So, you know, make sure that your hotel room looks amazing. And um, it just makes it easier so that we can continue to make fun events. Because now a whole convention has to find a new place for them to be. And it's not necessarily, you can't just point it to one community. Don't point it towards the baby first. Don't go point it towards anyone else. Um, it wasn't just one community. It was it was people don't necessarily push down the baby fur community or even the BDSM community for, for the things we just need to watch our P's and Q's, especially in the public space and, and also in your hotel rooms. Don't leave a whole bunch of like used condoms in the toilet or something like that. Like, like how did that become acceptable? That kind of thing, right? Like clean up after yourselves, people, you're a guest, you're a guest in a hotel Take care of the thing you're renting. You have to give it back. You have to pay for what's damaged. 
Yeah. Even though you're paying for it, it is technically your room, but it's still somebody else's house. It's somebody's property, and it's not yours. So Exactly. So it, it doesn't give you the right to just mess it up. So, um, you know, some other things that have been going on. I have my extra live stream coming up. Please, please, please come out to that. Um, we'll be... We'll be posting a link um, through our Twitter, um, and we'll be starting at 7 o'clock a.m. in the morning, and it's a 24-hour stream. I want to know and if it's 7 a.m. Going... at night. No, I said a.m. Yeah, but you said 7 a.m. in the morning, so is there a 7 a.m. at night? <laughs> okay, yes, 7 a.m. at night for you, Tugs. <laughs> Because you don't exist during that time, apparently. Oh, no, I get up at five. Anyway, so sorry. That was the same thing you did last year, right? Yes. So all of oh. all the money that we get will go directly to charity. It's for children. We're, we're raising it for Primary Children's Hospital. Last year, we raised about $1,500. This year, we hope um, to, to get more than that. So pop by, say hello, and... Um, ask us some questions or watch us play some games. So it'll be fun. It was a whole lot of fun. I was a part of it last year and did some crazy stuff uh, for donations. So, uh, if, yeah, if you actually want to see what I look like and see crazy things uh, that uh, I can do if you pay me enough money, then I'll do it. Yep. Wow. That's loud. <laughs> all right. So I think we can move forward. That's all you have? Yeah, that's no, all. No, no, no. How's your mom's ear? I was actually thinking about this. Like, is her ear doing better? Uh, yeah, she's doing much better. Thank you for everybody that sent me emails about being concerned. Did about you actually? Mom. People really did? Yeah. So, and we thanks have, for we people who audience. commented on the last episode, too. We actually got a lot of comments. Thank you. So, well, we really appreciate you guys. So. Oh, yeah. He's only half baked. It's Rue's Cookie Time. All right, here's the cookie today brought to you by Quinn, the nutty squirrel. Right? Sure, I can do that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right, so this is what he said. He, I mean, this is what the fortune says. You laugh now, but wait till you get home in bed with a cookie. What? You laugh now, but wait till you get home in bed? You laugh now. Wait till you get home in bed with a cookie. So, in like five minutes? Oh, it's me. I'm back. Hi. Back. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Are you a new person? No. This, this Yoshi is, is giving me diabetes. Seriously, look. Look, look, you can do this. <gasps> Beep it. <gasps> He's so cute. I know. This isn't at all spoopy, and this is supposed to be the scary episode. We're, t- <laughs> we're just terrible. Um, Hang him over the side. No. Oh, can I do this? <gasps> oh. <laughs> so, it's this I know, right? So uh, it's not in here, but let's introduce our guest that we sort of did before. So uh, you haven't seen him since, and he knew it, season two, episode nine? Season two, episode nine. Season two, episode nine. He's the first guest that's ever walked into the house and's like, yeah, my last last episode that I was on was Ooh. season two, episode nine. Yeah, you should. I'm like, hold on, let me go look it up. Let me, because now, because <laughs> I went back and tagged all the episodes. Uh, 
No, it's Quinn. So how have you been? I have been overworked and moderately paid. Moderately paid. Good, good. So refresh everyone. Um, have you had any species changes? Any sex changes? Any, <laughs> anything else? Hey, considering the content of the last episode, it's a valid question. <laughs> I guess that's true. Are you a he or a she? <laughs> I am still he. Okay. He man. Is there a he woman? Yeah. Uh, no, I, but there's a super girl. There is. Yep. Anyway. It may be she man. I think it's what species she- are I think you? It's She-Ra. Uh, I am a, an American red squirrel with spiraling stripes. Still okay, good. Yep. So uh, you haven't like taken a growth potion and become massively sized. Are you as big as this little Yoshi amiibo? Uh, there are two versions of Quinn. One is uh, about a foot tall, maybe less, and the other one is average height, six foot two. But did you say six foot tall? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm still taller. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, have you gotten married? Almost. Almost? Are you engaged? <laughs> yep. No, like legit? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Got myself a girlfriend, uh, proposed to her, and then she dumped me a month before the wedding was oh. supposed to happen. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was not nearly as exciting as I wanted it to be. So <laughs> my foot is wonderful tasting. Uh, so you brought along a friend that unfortunately uh, we can only broadcast uh, visuals of on the show today. Yes. So if you, everyone at home, if you look closely, you can see in high definition 4K <laughs> that you have brought a theremin. Yes. Um, we, we are recording in the presence of Mr. Therum, as Mr. named by Rue. Yes. <laughs> so most people are like, what's a theremin? Um, and I've got a, I don't even know how to spell theremin. Uh, T-H-E-R-E-M-I-N. Yeah. It is Russian. Uh, yeah, I'm going to find a little, like, clip of it. Um, apparently this clip, uh, hopefully it's not too loud, Over the Rainbow. It's the thing that they used to make, like, spaceship noises, right, basically? Yeah. The only musical instrument ever made with... Uh, where you play it by not touching it. Um, and this is actually a very um, popular piece done by Theremin. Uh, oh, so it, you're familiar with what I'm playing? Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those that like exemplifies how it can be used to mimic human voice almost. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So we have one here in the studio, and hopefully you all enjoy looking at it during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it is, like we said, in 4K. So... Um, yeah. yeah. So and, and we, so, yeah, go ahead. So we won't be using it today, unfortunately. Because I just said we were. Don't ruin my thumb. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, just Mr. Sh- Pouty Face. Yeah, look at that. Just look, mm. at, look at that Yoshi face. It's a Yoshi. <laughs> right? So it's tradition. Excuse me, I need to go fap. The, this is this is <laughs> the, the cutest Halloween I have ever been a part of. Right? <laughs> Someone should get a fursuit of this amiibo. I bet you it's going to happen. Uh, anyway, so it's tradition that uh, we did do it last year, but it's back. Uh, it's tradition that we read stories. So what's going to happen uh, is uh, in a moment, someone will start reading a story. It'll be Rue. Uh, and what will happen is the uh, visual will go black and white. And you will hear old time radio plays with Foley and music added in. And uh, hopefully a good story. Now, we got a lot of stories from people. Uh, so thank you for sending those in. And hopefully by the end of this uh, torturous episode, you might have had a good time. Sound, does that sound about right, Rue? Yes. Good. Um, so, yeah, uh, don't adjust your headphones. If everything goes black and white, that's expected. 
normal. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Are you like dying? Uh, yes. You're just like, I'm laughing to death. Uh, <laughs> this is such a, this, yes, this is a scary episode and I'm just dying over here. Well, you know what? I like being evil. Oh my gosh. Uh, this show cannot be uh, silly. All right, should we read? Yeah, go for it. Let's hear your story, Rue. Okay. This is Rue's crumbly costume. Rue giggled to himself as he got ready for the Halloween party. Tugs won't know me in this cost this cookie costume, he said. He peeked out his eyes from the cookie as he walked in to Tugsy's house. Trick or treat, he said, disguising his voice. Tugsy grinned. What a great costume, Rue. Rue popped his head out of the top of the cookie and said, How did you know it was me? Your tail, said Tugs, with a laugh and rolled his eyes. That white tip of your tail almost glows in the dark. Rue looked over the top of the cookie with his tail. Hmm, he said. I'll be right back. Rue hurried back to his house. He looked at his tail and frowned. I'll cover it, he said. Fox Rue found a garbage bag. He pulled it over his tail and he looked at himself in the mirror. Now people won't see my tail. They'll never guess who I am. He ran back to Tugs's house and rang the bell. Koru came to the door and laughed. Rue, you are the best cookie I have ever seen, he said. How did you know it was me, cried Rue. You can't see my tail. Your ears, said Koru. Your pointy ears stick way, way up. You, it had to be you. I'll be right back, said Rue. He raced down the road to his house, and he found some black hair dye. I'll be a chocolate chip, he said. Rue, quiet, um, Rue quickly covered his red fur with his black dye and made a complete mess of himself. They'll never recognize me now, he said. No ears, no tell. Rue rang Tugs's doorbell, and Firebreath answered the door. Rue, we're going to be late. Rue's dark ears and tail drooped. How did you know it was me? Oh, Rue, we love you. Everyone knows how much you love cookies. And the Cookie Fox and his friends headed to the party together. The end. Oh, what a wonderful story. I think you just stared at your iPad for five minutes making a story up. Did you make a story up? I didn't make a story up. Show me your iPad. Show you? No. Show me the iPad. No. Show me that you didn't make it up. No. I like being anal. Ah! I did make up the story, but I wrote it first. <laughs> 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 
fine. Well, to be fair, that's how I work See? too. I stand corrected. I stand Read it. corrected. Read it. I believe it. I believe it. Well, that actually was a good story. It was very short and very cute, and it didn't involve me killing anything. So, yay! Or any meat grinders. Except I did a really horrible job reading it. So, you did fine. (sighs) You did fine. So, we have another story for you, Rue, because we want you to get all your reading out of the way now. We have Kuno's story. All right. Dear Rue, Tugs, and Koru. Wrapped in an email. First off, to Koru. I really hope you feel better, man. Best wishes. Well, thank you. I, I do feel better, thank you. I took a little bit of time off of work and doing much better. I appreciate it. In that last episode, you asked to relate and uh, retell stories. Fortunately for you, I had um, taken you up on your request. This one is short and sweet. I had a job as a cashier at blank one day, and a customer came in to return a waffle maker. Why did they return the waffle maker? Because the waffle maker had been purchased, returned, checked, and reshelved before that particular customer had purchased the item (laughs) with a moldy waffle in it. (laughs) <laughs> As for the Halloween stories that, That's not the Halloween story? That's terrifying <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, Can you imagine? I got a brand new waffle Especially like a fancy one and you Here's a green waffle <laughs> That's this, That's the uh, product sample This must have This must have been all a dollar <laughs> A dollar? A waffle maker? No. No, no, no. What's the story? <clears throat> All right, here we go. Black and white time. As for the stories, this is a personal favorite one of mine. It's called A Monster in His Closet. I hope it rustles your jammies as much as it rustled mine. <laughs> Okay. Little Timmy loves to draw and color. He loves to play pretend with his friends on the playground. On the um on the school bus. He talks and laughs with the children as he just met. He is such a good boy. But Timmy thinks there's a monster in his closet. The closet door would open and beyond the coats and tidy Sunday clothes, Timmy would think that he saw the face of a monster ready to swallow him whole. When he was scared, he would always ask his parents to check the closet, and they would. They would even go as far as checking under his bed, just in case. Tonight, Timmy is especially scared. He is screaming, his mommy, his daddy, for rescue from the monster in his closet. But there is no monster. I'm just a lonely school bus driver, and Timmy's parents are laying on the floor next to me. I hope you enjoy this one. 
I know I did. Until next time, best wishes. Your friend, Konu. P.S. Q-no. Q, your friend, Q-no. This week's decoder message bunch of numbers is a bunch of numbers brown eye of the tiger didn't see that one coming moly waffle <laughs> that, that was you know when they test the product to make sure that it works okay that was the quality control sample <laughs> you're bad uh what are we doing i don't know what we're doing <laughs> you like are off the way I feel today. I feel like Are you getting sick? I feel or like something? the waffle is still in the waffle maker of my brain. That's <laughs> what I think. I'm gonna make a waffle in our waffle iron and just leave it there. Do if you do that, I'm gonna punch you in the tip of the penis. <laughs> the very tip. I don't have that anymore, sorry. You don't have a tip of your penis anymore? No, I'm Jewish. Circumcision. <laughs> 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 We're done. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Thank you, Kuno. I'm sorry that Rue butchered your name. I love you. I'll always love you. It's spoopy. Now let's go to Brendan's story. It was a dark and steamy night in the For What It's Worth recording room. All was peaceful as Tugs spammed his soundboard in glee. <laughs> Picking fun at Roof at his mispronunciations and butchering of words. Earlier that day, the AC had died in a sparking, fiery fit. The hot atmosphere was almost impenetrable by any form of coolant, and Rue was panting like a little puppy after a long walk. In the middle of recording a segment, a terrible screeching noise was heard through the pink polka-dotted, piply, dingled soundproofing. Dear God, we're being spooked! Tugs exclaimed in horror. Rue, uh, being himself, hid under the desk and nommed on his metal cookie. I will find this screecher, Tugs said to himself, popping a little sound effect from his soundboard. I like being anal. Rue continues to nom on the metallic square object, chipping a part of the glass with his teeth. Tugs creaks open the studio door and trips out the door into the rest of the building. Choosing to walk outside, he travels to the closest exit, the back door, and opens the door to find a giant spike pit with creepy, crawly spiders. They all look towards him, daring Tugs to jump in and get impaled. Screw that, he says as he runs inside and slams the door behind him, to hear crying. Sounds like Rue. Tugs strides back to the studio, except the studio isn't there. He shouts, Rue! Rue! Where are you, Rue? No response. Tug slams on the wall where the door should be, attempting to find some sort of weak spot where a door hole might be. Twat! A trap door opens up, and he is swept inside, falling down the seemingly endless hole. Bam! He rubs his now painful butt, and looks around to find an empty, pitch-black room. Suddenly, a panel in the wall opens up, and the air around him is being sucked in. Following suit, his body is being sucked into the hole, and he is swept into the dark corridor. Tugs feels a soft thud and lands in some sort of comfortable theater chair. Flash. The lights snap on, 
After his eyes focus to the light, he sees Rue lying in a puddle of hair, blood, and pumpkin spice lattes? Um, Rue, what the hell are you doing? Tug's requests of his close friend. Rue responds in loud, cracking, and gurgling noises. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a gigantic blue dragon pops next to Tug's and whispers in his ear, He is lost. Forget your friend. We have lost him to the pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. The dragon snaps his large fingers and tugs is slammed into his studio chair. A note on his desk. Reading it, he finds, You have lost your friend. My plans are almost complete. Oh, I also love your podcast. Keep up the good work. That blood and stuff on the floor wasn't his, so don't worry. Sincerely, St. Nicholas. What? <laughs> pumpkin spice latte. You doop, would. Doop, doop. <laughs> I love pumpkin spice lattes. They're amazing. Get your white girl on. <laughs> uh, this is what I think of pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> I don't drink Starbucks. I love pumpkin spice lattes. They're amazing. And that's why I probably died by one. <laughs> Just one? Or a couple. <laughs> a gallon. I don't know. I thought you weren't allowed to have those makes, kinds of it things. It makes me bouncy. It's good. Oh, my goodness. I take medicine for my diabetes. Shut up. <laughs> we make medicine for this. It's all fine. <laughs> we're all fine here. How are you? I can eat an extra cookie. I had my medicine. Gosh, dang it. Next story, please. <laughs> the smell of moist dirt permeated the air, which spoke of coming rain. The streets still glistened from the earlier storm that had passed. The quiet of suburb setting was pierced by the splashing of rapt footsteps. I don't know why, but I just had to run. I felt there was something. I don't know what it was or why I felt it, but I had to get away from it, wherever it was. My lungs were already on fire by the time I rounded the corner to my house. I had been running for the better part of four blocks, but I still felt there was a presence that was there. But I just couldn't tell from where. As I got close to my house, I reached into my pocket, and as I jumped the steps, I pulled out the keys, found the right one, shoved it into the lock, opened the door, swung around, and buried my back into the door as I slammed it shut. After a beat or two, I threw all the locks on the door, took a few steps back, and didn't feel too much better. But at least I can relax. At that thought, I fell to the floor panting for air. Trying to catch my breath, I thought back to what had got me into the situation in the first place. It was just a regular fall evening, cooler, wet weather, always a welcome change from the heat of summer. I was content to stay at home, light a fire, and spend a quiet evening enjoying the silence. But my friends called, and they said they got tickets to the hottest club in town. It had been a crappy week, so I decided to go. It turned out everyone had gotten tickets as well. There was almost no room even to walk, let alone dance or mingle. I managed to make my way to the bar. Not that being there helped, you still had to have the barkeep right in front of you so they could read your lips. I was able to get a beer. It was the easiest thing to get across. Plus, it was half off tap all night, so I can't complain too much. My friends finally caught up to me. They took their time enjoying the crowd. This was really more their scene than mine. They tried to introduce me to some girls they met, but they were too busy giggling to take notice. And then the barkeep came up with a new beer. And he indicated it was from the lady at the end of the bar. I looked, but there was no one that stood out from the rest. So having finished mine, and drinking was what everyone does to relax and have fun, right? I grabbed it. 
And then there was a bright crash of lightning, and the light and music went out. After a minute, the floodlights came on, and someone with a bullhorn spoke up, telling us that there had been a lightning strike just on the power grid for the block, and there was not going to be power for the rest of the night. Groans and complaining yarned out what they said next, which was that they would be handing out tickets for discounted admission when they were reopened. It didn't matter to me. There was nothing memorable about this night. I just wanted to go home. Trying to get out of the place was harder than it should have been, so I was lucky I was out by that point. My friends were right behind, so we all spilled out onto the town, which looked like a ghost town. No lights were on for what seemed like miles. My friends wanted to go out and try and get some tail, but I'd had my fill of socializing for the evening, so we parted ways. They to some unknown point, and me back home. Only problem was they were my ride. Well, at least it's a full moon tonight. That made it easy to walk and not fall into anything. I'd always liked walking in the rain at night. But right now it didn't feel likable, so I zipped up my jacket and made my way home as fast as I could. Not ten minutes into my walk, I was feeling like there was something around me. Which is funny because I was still in town and there were others and things everywhere, but that's not what it felt like. There was a presence about it, you know, the feeling you get when there's someone right on top of you and you haven't noticed. I tried to shrug it off. Maybe it was the beer, I kept telling myself. But further away from town, I got the more noticeable that feeling was. It was too much, so I stopped and looked around me. Nothing. No one was around me, which made me feel even more uncomfortable. Why was I feeling this? There has to be a reason. Being slightly paranoid, I started to jog so I could get home and to safety. But as soon as my heart rate got up, my senses did. And along with that, the feeling of nearness. Maybe that's what I could call it. It was unbearable. I knew there was no one following me, but I still felt there was something there. At that point, I started running, less than five blocks. Shouldn't sound like a long distance to any runner, but the thing is, it was at a full sprint. After two blocks, I was already winded and I had to slow down, and I couldn't stop. The feeling was still there, so I pushed through as best as I could. Only after another block, my legs were struggling to keep up that pace. Again, my body wanted to stop, but my mind wouldn't let me. All the while, it was poking there at the back of my mind. What could it be that was making me feel like this, I thought, but I couldn't see anything. The moonlight was bright enough. I should have been able to see something, but there was nothing. Half a block to go. I mustered what I could and put all my focus on getting home. That's all that mattered now. Not the nagging feeling that there was someone trying to get me. Nothing. Just getting to safety. Picking myself up off the floor after 20 minutes of catching my breath, I went into the kitchen to get some water. While drinking, I opened the fridge and grabbed a couple of cold hot dogs and started eating them. After finishing my first glass of water, I got another and chugged it down. Then I started to head upstairs, and I was completely spent. I finished the second hot dog by the time I reached the top landing, and as I went down the hall, I debated whether or not to take a shower before going to bed. It would be a good idea, but I just wanted to be done with this night. So I went to my room and started peeling off the clothes that would make it uncomfortable to sleep. With as little effort as possible, I finished stripping off my shirts, shoes, and socks, and I fell into bed. It started in the gut and worked its way through my spine, crawled up into my head, spreading itself all the way. My mind was racing a mile a minute. Could I be having a heart attack? Was I poisoned? Is it a genetic mutation I don't know about? But as fast as these thoughts were coming, so too was the pain spreading and increasing. I need to get to a phone, popped into my head. So I tried to crawl to my nightstand, but with every moment, the feeling of something breaking followed and didn't leave. The pain only got worse as I stretched out my arm to move forward. I could feel the sinew snapping, making me wince. Not that you would have noticed if you were watching from all the shaking and jerking my body was going through. Placing my outstretched arm down and leaning forward, I tried to pick up my leg and all I heard were bones twisting. I almost vomited. Dry heaving. I bowed my head and could make out that I was bleeding from various places, leaving streaks here and there on my trek to call for help. I tried to force more movement from my body in the direction of my room, but the pain was beyond words. Every time I placed a limb down to move, I felt cartilage crushing. The pain was to the point that I could not scream. 
but I made it to my room. The door unexpectedly slammed shut behind me. With that effort, I could afford to look around to see what was there. Nothing, just the mirror. But in the mirror was another thing. It should have been me, but it wasn't, and at the same time it was. But I was turning into a werewolf, blood staining my pure white coat. Another wave of agony came over me. My mind was being peeled away as I rolled over. I was able to see out the window. The moon was right outside my window. A high-pitched scream started to pierce my ears. The moon was turning red. When I would blink, it would return to normal, only to fade back to red. One more piercing blast. I physically jumped, almost falling out of bed. The blaring alarm showed in bright red that it was 8.28 in the morning. I scrambled out of bed, went to the mirror on the back of my door. Yep, that was me. Still me. I turned around to make sure everything was in order as I looked at the back of the mirror. My stomach settled out of relief. I have never been so happy to see those cheetah stripes blemishing my back before. I slowly rested against the door. I was still too asleep to properly function for a while. I glanced back at the clock. 8.31. Shit, I was going to be late. I hoisted myself upright, turned and got opened the door to the shower. And man, my co-workers are going to love this story, I thought to myself. My jaw dropped just as fast as I fainted after I opened the door collapsed in the train of blood that led from the bathroom to my bedroom. Uh, thank you to... Let's see. Well, I'm not going to thank Rue. Uh, thank you to Kuno, to Brendan, and to Josh for their stories. Yay! We're going to go to break. We don't have space news this episode. We Sad. have something different. Uh, so we'll go to that, and then we will come back with more of your stories. We're on social media. Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus information is on the For What It's Worth website. This is Cal from Santa Cruz, California, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. Skate and destroy, broskies. For What It's Worth presents Werewolves, the Bite That Thrills. The following is a dramatization of what could happen to you this Halloween if you're not careful. Evening, son. How was trick-or-treating? It's okay, but something weird happened to Billy. Oh, want to talk about it, slugger? Well, you were on our way back from Stacy Williams' place. You sly dog, you. When suddenly, Billy started acting all funny. Funny? Yeah, he started growing fur and got real tall, then howled at the moon and... He attacked you? Nah, Pop. He hugged me. Started licking my face, too. Now, son, this is very important. Did he bite you? Well, not really. He kind of nibbled a little. Then he let me go and ran off saying something about a pillow fight. Oh, son, that was a werewolf. A werewolf? Yes. They hide among us and turn innocent people into their kind so they can kiss each other, host dinner parties, and redecorate homes. And you've been bitten. No, I don't want to be a werewolf. It's too late. You're already growing fur. Look at how tall and muscular you've become. Your underwear. You don't even wear thongs. Damn you, Billy. Damn you for taking my son. Sorry, Dad. Gotta run. I'm getting on that pillow fight with Billy. I'll be staying at his house tonight. No! Poor Timmy. If only he had known about the dangers of werewolves before he went trick-or-treating. 
Werewolves are a hidden menace of all good little trick-or-treater boys and girls, not because of how they damage property and terrorize the public. They are a menace because they are homosexuals. That's right. They torment the good citizens of the free world with threats of pillow fights, snuggles, licking faces, and how to tastefully appoint the latest style of window treatments. Ooh, it sends shivers up my spine just thinking about it. The most terrifying thing is, many people are completely unaware that they are in fact werewolves. Here is a simple guide to help you determine if you are. Do you have fur growing all over your body? Do you have an irrepressible urge to howl at the moon? Does the prospect of kissing another man delight you? Does silver burn when it touches your skin? If you answered yes to all of these, then you are a werewolf. But don't despair. Anyone who wants to prevent being turned or wants to break the curse now has a solution provided by the wonders of modern science. That's right. For what it's worth, Brand Herbal Bath Wash will wash the evil right out of you. Its potent mixture of sage, mistletoe, and wolfsbane will have you feeling human again in no time. If only Timmy's parents and Billy's had warned them about the dangers of philanderous lycanthropy. Don't let this happen to you. Buy for what it's worth brand herbal bath wash today. I'm going to pick some up right now. <laughs> Can I die now? Because that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what? Can I die now? Who asks that? Can I can I die now? Like <laughs> my life is now fulfilled, guys. That was awesome. Are you a werewolf? <laughs> I want to be. I'm glad we have little filters on our <laughs> microphones. You look like you were dying over there. I, I just love the style of, of his ads. They're so much fun. <laughs> oh man. I can't even say. <laughs> wow. Wow. That was awesome. Now for some more spooky stories. No, spoopy. Spoopy stories. Do you even know what that is about? Spoopy? Yeah. No. You don't know the origin of spoopy? Quinn, do you know the origin of spoopy? I do not know the origin of spoopy. I, I don't either. I know there are some skeletons involved. In somebody's closet. Oh my God. Spoopy is an intentional misspelling of the word spooky, which is associated with the Halloween sign written in a human skeleton typeface. It was posted to Flickr on October 15th, 2009, almost six years ago to the day, by user Mike Woodridge. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just made its way around the internet. There's also Creppy. <laughs> That's dumb. Um, and Doge has gotten involved. It's very frightening, such or much spoopy, so skeleton. <laughs> oh my gosh! I love Doge. So, yes, this is our spoopy episode, and I can concentrate on the show now because Yoshi went away. I see him. Hi, Yoshi. <laughs> He's so cute. Everybody, go buy one. All right. So, Quinn, can you lead us in with Toby's story? It was a rainy day, and Rue was in the studio alone when a knock sounded on the door. He approached the door and opened it. Hello? he asked, but there was no one there. It was only when he looked down that he noticed that there was a box on the doorstep. Uh, Rue picked up the box and turned it over. The label read, To the cast of For What It's Worth. 
from a fan in Nightvale. Sweet! Ruth exclaimed as he took the box inside. After shutting the door, Rue took uh, the box to the table. He knew it. he should wait for Tugs and Koru to get there, but something was calling to him and he had to open the box. He had to know what was inside. Before he even realized what he was doing, he had a pair of scissors in his paw and was opening the box. Once done with the tape, he hesitated only for a moment before pulling back the sides of the box. At first, Rue was surprised as a purple fog began to drift out from the box. Uh, but as it dissipated, he saw something he was quite familiar with. Tim Tams, he cried out happily and grabbed them, his mouth watering. As Tim Tams were Rue's favorite cookie, he wasted no time in opening the box and putting one in his mouth. Uh, they were the best Tim Tams that Rue had ever eaten, and he couldn't help himself. He had another one, uh, and another, until the box was nearly empty. Before he came to his senses and put them down, uh, as soon as he did, his stomach began to rumble, growing louder and louder. He cried out in the intensity of it, his body flailing as spasms racked his frame. His arm shot out and knocked over the box that the Tim Tams had come from. As he collapsed to the floor, he saw the note that had fallen from the box. It read, Greetings for what it's worth. I recently found your podcast and was very impressed. As a sign of my appreciation for all you have done, I thought I would send you a special treat. Unfortunately, in order to send them to you, I had to use unconventional means. Nightvale is a really weird town. It's not like other places. So by using my grand's book of shadows, I was able to make them, but that led to them being cursed. You should be fine if you only eat one and wait an hour before the next one. Whatever you do, don't eat them all at once. Anyway, have a great day, and I look forward to hearing your next show. Your bunny listener from Nightvale. Cursed, Rue moaned as darkness began to engulf him. His last thought was something that had gone horribly wrong. There was the sound of a thunderclap, and Rue no knew no more. Not long after, Tugs came back into the studio. Rue, he called, are you here? But he got no answer. Weird, he thought. He went over to the table and checked his board, and then he noticed the box and what appeared to be a rather large purple puddle. Rue, he called again, and there was still no answer. Tugs began to get worried. Rue wasn't usually quiet or prone to leaving puddles. Rue, he called even louder. This time, but there was no response. Rue is prone to leaving puddles. <laughs> no! <laughs> See our coming episode of Rabbit Valley for more details. No! <laughs> Rabbit Valley happens to have a nickname for me. And guess what? And they call me Puddles for some reason. I don't know why. I like being you know. <laughs> Also, I like the story a lot. I do too. I like the stories where I'm not involved at all I got and to you transport. die. Those are the best. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. There's been two of those. Who so knows? <laughs> this is a good trend. Who knows if I have died? You know, no, I could have. You didn't. You didn't. I no. could have gone to another universe, another world. All I know is that it was spoopy. It was spoopy. <laughs> it was spoopy. It was spoopy. You melted. I, I, I turned into goo. Yeah, no, you didn't. You turned into a pile of diabetes. Oh. And reformed into a Yoshi amiibo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't 
Hey, into that. I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. If I looked like that, that would be a happy life. No, you're not. Who's, you not actually get to do you. You're not conscious. You just you 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 are turned into a pile of yarn. Oh, that's you boring. look cute, and you give other people diabetes. But that's it. Oh. So all the bad boys and girls that make that piss off the Krampus and have diabetes get turned into Yoshi amiibos. Why is this a theme? I don't know. Why is I this like a theme? Eagle. I don't know because it's so damn cute. Oh my god! Uh, thank know. you for sending in that story. That was that was awesome. That was. I I, I really have to say I am enjoying the trend of you dying in all these stories. Are you trying to say something? Uh, no. Are, are you are you wanting me to die? No, I just like that our audience think is picking on you. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Is maybe that's what the audience is saying. The audience wants me gone. They want me dead. Maybe. <laughs> what? I don't know. What don't agree know. with them. Don't agree. Well, not with them. Don't agree with me. <laughs> don't agree with you people. <laughs> Stroke my ego and tell me that I'm needed. Gosh dang it. <laughs> Anywho. Anyhow, should we have another story, or shall we talk about spoopy things? Well, what are you doing for Halloweens? I'm running a furry convention. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I am running a furry convention. Um, we're not doing... we So, we, we I don't know if we're doing, like, full-on trick-or-treat like we did last year with all the doors. Um, but I don't mind it, because the thing is, is I don't usually go out for Halloween parties if there's not a furry convention I'm running. Uh, there's a lot of drunk people on Halloween, like a lot. And maybe it's just my perception. Um, but I don't know. I feel, I feel really, really terribly unsafe driving the roads on Halloween for some reason. Hmm. And it's not because I'm scared, like, Wooga Booga's going to jump out and get me, because you know. You're just scared of that hook man. That's what you're scared of. That hook man? Yeah, I'm scared of the hook man. What is the hook man? Oh, have you heard of the story of the hook man? The slender the man? man? Are we talking about hook? No. Like, what is this? No. Slender like these, hook man. These slender people, hook they man. go out and they make out and stuff like that. And they hear screeching noise across their their vehicle. And they look outside and they don't see anybody there. And then they hear it again. And then they they start freaking out. I so think they, you're sitting too close to the theremin. Oh, well, they it's affecting you. They start freaking out and they drive away. And then when they get home, they see they find a single hook on the door handle or something like that. I don't know. On the handle of the car. Yeah. And then I'm going to go back and figure out whose ass I'm kicking and what insurance they have. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You tore up my car. What do you do, Quinn? What do you do for Halloween? Uh, nothing, really. I haven't gone out to party since my friend left on his mission, actually. Where'd he go? So, Transylvania? Uh, no, where'd he go for real? I think he went to Whatever, uh, you, go Kansas. Over, you over go, you Kansas? go to my yeah. house. There's parties hey. there once in a while. Hey, we got good cookies from Kansas once. Good cookies, remember? Yes, they were amazing cookies. cookies. Yeah. I miss those cookies. We need more cookies. We have the recipe. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'd like, I'd like, we're like, we're old. We don't go. What do you, well, you you're, well, you're going to be at a convention, but what do you do? Uh, me? Yeah. I usually just hang out with friends and have some sort of Halloween party. I mean, um, like in years past, I've I've done like a like a Halloween binge where we like find Halloween. terrible Halloween movies. Binge? 
Yeah, and we binge on <laughs> Halloween movies. He said a Halloween bitch. <laughs> and then we we play Fatal Frame. Do you play, with you know the what? lights off. I used to play. You should play Slender Man. I've already played that. You know what? One of the greatest things that happened once is when let's that play was Five Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Fred. I'm like, we'll we'll play <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's ten thousand. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. Like, let's go shopping for Five Nights. Like, who cares? Fred Meyer does not exist anymore. It, Nobody gets your joke. Bullshit! It's a huge chain all over the the Pac Northwest. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh. Do you go to the Smith's Marketplace? They have tons of Fred Meyer logos in there. Buddy. Yeah, oh, it's owned sorry. by Kroger, which is the same company that owns Smith. <laughs> like all uh, of Seattle is gonna write our show now and be like, "Bitch." Yeah, it's hilarious. When I was in Oregon, I went to a Fred Meyer and I gave him my Smith's card, and they're the like, same. "What the hell is this?" And I was like, "Just scan it." And I was like, "Oh, it works." Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Smith's Marketplace is Fred Meyer with the reload. Re I've learned something new today, and it was on the Spoopy episode. <laughs> and, and it's Spoopy. You don't know that white. Also, my uh, ex fiance's ring was bought at Fred, Fred Meyer Jewelers. So. It's totally a thing. What do you do for Halloween? No, I I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I shoo away kids and eat all the candy myself. Oh yeah, we put like signs on our says We eat children, don't knock on our door. Didn't some guy come knock on our door and get way pissed? Yeah, he's like, your lights on. Good. Like, we had a sign out on the front door, and he actually ripped it off and threw it into the bushes. Yeah, and that's when I'm like, get off my property. Yeah. I, I'm a jerk. I'm like, like you, your kid getting... is not entitled to get free candy from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> for what it's worth, house is full of jerks. <sighs> and Yoshi's that give you that Jewish. They're so cute. Look at that thing. It's face. Anywho, uh, let's yeah. read the next story. Let's go to Lost Panda story. Quinn, you also have that. You are yes, such a good reader tonight. Thank you. I do my best. Tugs and Rue were on their way back from a con in Califado when their GPS yeah. pinged, showing a shorter route back home, cutting through the forest. Thinking nothing of it, Tugs turned down the road. Half an hour later, they were still traveling down this forest road. Trees hemmed them in on both sides, and it was getting dark now that the sun was going down. Another ten minutes later down the road, the car suddenly coughed and let out a high-pitched whine and died. Great, exclaimed Tugs as he pounded on the steering wheel. Rue looked up from his 3DS and looked around. Why did we stop? He asked, slightly confused. The car died, Tugs replied as he dug about for his phone. Uh, when at last he found it, he was dismayed to see that it had no signal. Rue, check to see if you have any bars. Rue did so, but the results were the same. They had two choices, stay in the woods as the sun went down, or try to reach a spot where they could signal for help. In the end, they got out and started walking. Ten minutes farther down the road, they still didn't have a signal. Rue was also searching for a signal and, w and wasn't watching where he was going when he felt his foot tread on something. Rue uh, saw what he had stepped on. It was a white and purple rabbit plushie with button eyes. Hey Tugs, look what I found! Rue said as he waved the plushie. Tugs came over. That's cool, but what we really need is a phone signal or a place with a phone so we can call for help, uh, he said looking about. Suddenly, Tugs pointed. There, let's go ask them if they have a phone. Rue turned and saw a cabin with a light on. Was that there before? Rue asked as he followed Tugs as he weaved through the trees toward the cabin. 
Tugs was in a hurry and didn't notice the no trespassers sign. Tugs knocked on the door to the cabin, but there was no answer. Hello, is anyone there? He called out. There was no answer. After a few minutes, Tugs knocked on the door again with no answer. Maybe we should go, Rue said. Just, just one more time, Tugs shot back as he pounded on the door. Hello, our car broke down and we don't have any signal on our phones. Do you have one we can use to call for help? Again, there was no reply. Defeated, Tugs turned away and was about to head back to the car when the door slowly creaked open. Tugs, Rue exclaimed. Tugs turned and saw the door. Hello, he called, but there was no reply. Tugs went and poked his head in the door. Hello, he asked again, and again, no answer. He walked inside. Tugs, wait for me, Rue yelped and followed after. Just after passing the doorway, Rue felt the hairs on the back of his neck began to rise. Tugs, we should get out of here, Rue said. Just a moment, help me find a phone. We can make a quick call and get out of here. I don't think anyone is home right now. Just help me find the phone and then we can get out of here. Rue looked around the place, noting that every flat surface was covered in jars. Old jars, new jars, jars of different sizes and colors. Nearly all the jars were full, and some of them had things floating in them. Rue noticed a bolt of fabric covering something along the wall. He went over and lifted it. Behind was a mirror. Rue looked in the mirror and froze as he saw something else move in his reflection. It was a greenish face, with a pointed nose, narrow, deep-set, dark eyes, and a long, pointed black hat. What are you doing in my house? shrieked a voice from behind him. Tugs jumped and turned around just in time to see the witch blast Rue with a bolt of purple lightning. Tugs didn't have time to shout before the witch was on him. There was a flash of purple, and suddenly Tugs was on the floor, unable to move as the witch towered above him. She reached down with a massive hand and picked him up off the floor. Now to send you two back where you came from. The witch cackled as she dropped Rue and Tugs into a box and sealed the lid. The next day, Koru was at the For What It's Worth recording room when there was a knock on the door. Koru opened the door and looked out only to find no one there. But when he looked down, there was a box addressed to the cast of For What It's Worth. Kuru got the box cutter, opened the box, and inside was a plushie of a red fox and a blue puppy bear. How cute! Tugs and Roo will love these, he said as he put them on a shelf in the studio. I didn't like this one as much. <laughs> Tugs was involved. I was involved. <laughs> <laughs> And why do you have T-Mobile? <laughs> you obviously I, don't have Verizon. Well, what I don't get why is... Why were we in your car? We just barely talked about being turned into plushies and what happens to us? Not only do you, uh, oh. are you turned into plushies, but you're sent through the U.S. postal system. And we also talk... Well, what's, what's with this purple stuff? Like purple goo... Then we have, like, a purple ball of, like, thing that turns us into plushies. Well, purple is a very spoopy and creppy color. (laughs) (laughs) Spoopy and creppy. But they wouldn't know because it was black and white. But I assure you that we did use purple for that. (laughs) That's odd. That's true. (laughs) Well, we have one more story. Yes. So 
Um, as you guys know, Smokey does Space News. Um, and he wrote and recorded his own story, which you will now hear in black and white. Thanks again, old man. Ross called out over his shoulder as he stepped out of the small shop. The crisp autumn air spilled all the way to the back of the wolf's sinuses. The scents of the town and the surrounding woods smelled so clean compared to the dirty, dingy, smog-soaked streets of the big city. He took a deep, cleansing breath and smiled down at his new purchase. Attached to his lapel was a brass pin, one that Mr. Buckler, the shopkeeper, seemed quite eager to sell him. Ross liked the look of it, and at the price the old ram was offering, it was a real bargain, too. The lupine turned on a heel and started down the sidewalk, and as he rounded the corner, he almost ran directly into another pedestrian. Oh, excuse me, the wolf cried in surprise, sidestepping as best he could. I'm so sorry, I was lost in my own little world. He looked over the hunched figure, shrouded in a dark, ragged cloak. It was torn in several places along the hem, and he could make out several stains along the sleeves and chest. A dull scent of rot wafted off the figure, no doubt from the shabby robe. It probably had not been washed in ages. The soft wheeze that served as his only answer suggested they were elderly. Maybe they had a difficult time speaking. Politely, the wolf bowed and continued on his way. Good afternoon, he smiled and turned to carry on. As he walked, he looked down at the heavy camera hanging from his neck. It seemed unharmed from the encounter. He was rather protective of his camera. The old 1964 Skookum Special wasn't really that fabulous compared to the more modern 73 models. But he got by with it, and hopefully, after this little trip, he would be able to put together a portfolio and earn enough to buy an upgrade. And little towns like this one always had such marvelous character to capture. The town square was his first visit, but it was festooned with cheery decor for the coming fall festival. The wolf approached several locals asking if they might know of picturesque sites he could visit and photograph, but everyone seemed hesitant to speak to him. Small town folks often didn't care for outsiders, tourists and the like. That was probably why. Ross decided to follow up on a tip about a cemetery not far away. Historical landmarks like that were often treasure troves of moody and eerie scenery. The well-maintained nature of the cemetery disappointed the wolf a little, but he spent a good hour wandering about, trying to find a few good shots before he finally gave up. As he turned to leave, he caught the sight of a dark figure on the far side of the cemetery, the same one he had almost bumped into when he left the shop earlier. As he thought about it, he recalled seeing them back at the square. Maybe they were visiting a loved one's grave. The square was on the way to the cemetery, after all. Ross shrugged and simply carried on. There were a number of old buildings he visited throughout the afternoon. There was an old library, a church with a decidedly gothic aesthetic, and even a couple historic homes turned into tourist attractions. The closer the sun glided to the horizon, the more shadowed and ominous many of the buildings became, and that suited the wolf nicely. The entire time, however, he couldn't shake the feeling that the townspeople were deliberately avoiding him. It was beginning to bother him and every now and again the scent of decay seeped up through the prevailing aromas of the town and forest to tickle his nose. It was probably due to the age of the buildings he was visiting, but he still found it unsettling and unpleasant. One of the last places on the wolf's list to visit was an old schoolhouse no longer in use, located near what was originally the edge of town. The structure had been well taken care of, and there was enough yard around it that there was little in the way of shadow in the late afternoon. It disappointed Ross somewhat. There wasn't much about it that created the spooky mystique he was after. Maybe the last site on his list would prove more fruitful. 
He would have to hurry to get there before the sun went down completely, and he wasn't entirely sure where it was. He would need directions, and thankfully, one of the roads the school faced was one of the more populated streets. People walked along the sidewalk, either headed towards the square for the festival, or off to the shops further down the road. None of them seemed interested in assisting him. Every time he stepped forward to ask someone for help, they hurried past, averting their gaze. It was terribly discouraging. As he was just about to give up, an old hare carrying a sizable load of what looked like old magazines and newspapers stumbled and fell to her knees. The papers went everywhere as she cried out in dismay. Ross rushed to her aid, pinning down as many of the periodicals as he could before the wind saw them take flight. Thank you. This is what I get for not being able to find my shopping bags, the rabbit grumbled, more angry with herself than anything. It's not a problem. If you don't mind my asking, what's all this for? They're all too old to be for reading. The wolf tried making conversation, hoping that, and his help, might endear him to the lady enough to ask for directions. The little ones are using them down at the square. The town's trying to make the world's biggest papier-mâché pumpkin. She paused as the glint of the wolf's pin caught her eye. She lifted her gaze to look at it more clearly, then looked back down at her stacks of old papers. Excuse me, I need to be going. Wait, Ross stepped in front of her, holding her up for just a moment longer. Before I lose you, can you tell me how I can get to the old mill? I was hoping to get some photos before sunset. The hare gazed at him with a strange, stern expression before her eyes shifted to look past him. She remained quiet for a brief while, as though she were transfixed on something in the distance perhaps trying to think of the answer to his question. Take Maple West. It'll curve north and take you through a section of forest. You'll come to a bridge over a little river. Just off the road from there, you'll be able to see it. Thank you so much, Ross bobbed on his paws as he hopped lightly out of the lady's way, as if to take off in a bolt. Do yourself a favor. When you're done, go back to wherever it is you came from as soon as possible. With that, the hare hurried past him. That put Ross off just a bit. Everyone had been avoiding him, but this was the first time someone had been openly hostile to him. What was their problem? He'd been nothing but polite to everyone. The only one who had been kind to him in return was Mr. Buckler back at the shop. He watched the hare race off, threatening to lose her papers and magazines in another stumble, eventually turning in the direction she had been staring. There stood the dark, cloaked figure staring right at him. At least, it looked like they were. The hood obscured the face, but it just felt like a stare boring into him. The wolf felt a tingle run up his spine as the wind shifted. The scent of rot wafted over to him from the direction of the figure. And then it hit him. This person had been at every single location he had visited. He recognized the scent from each site. It was beginning to look like this person was following him. The wolf frowned and turned to leave, following the hare's directions. To make himself feel just a little better, he quickened his pace bit by bit until it was a brisk jog. Partly it was to get to the mill before it was too dark, and partly to shake the cloaked figure if they were indeed following him. The road wound through the edge of town until it broke into the woods. A bend took him out of sight of the rest of civilization, and he spotted the bridge. From atop it, he could see the mill, and jogged on towards it. With it being so late in the day, and with the festival starting up, he was the only one visiting, which suited him just fine. It allowed him the chance to collect himself and resume his photography. The timing was perfect. His photos would be delightfully macabre in the dying light of the setting sun. Ross moved all around the mill, snapping a multitude of photos for him to pick through after he developed them. 
As he rounded the corner, planning to take just a few more and then head back into town for the night, he was startled by the presence of another. He stumbled back a short distance as he recoiled purely out of reaction. Instantly, he recognized the dark cloak and the stink of rot. A growl rose up in his throat as it finally became too much. Okay, why are you following me? I've seen or smelled you at every single location I've been photographing ever since I left Mr. Buckler's shop. I get that people in this town don't like outsiders, but this is ridiculous. What do you want? The wolf's voice had risen to more of a shout than he had really intended, but he stood by it nonetheless. Immediately, he wished he hadn't. He wished he had turned and ran with all the speed he could muster. A single hand rose, the first real reaction he had gotten from the figure. Ross's blood chilled in his veins as he saw the hand, gnarled, decaying, bleached and blackened bone exposed, viscera sagging and dangling from the skeletal form. There came a creaking sound as joints bent and flexed. It reached out towards him and curled its fingers to point at him. As it did, the figure lifted its head, revealing the face previously obscured by the hood. Ross understood now why he smelled putrefaction and a deep sense of fear gripped his chest. The face was just as desiccated as the hand. Bone could be seen through bits of dried, rotting flesh. Its teeth were rough and jagged, as if they had been broken and made sharp, then worn as if through use. The collection of fractured teeth gave the impression it had fangs, even though the skull was decidedly ovine. This person had once been a sheep, or more accurately, a ram. Ross could see the curving horns pushing the hood's sides outward. They were cracked and blackened with tinges of green. The creature was perfectly demonic in appearance, and its eyes completed the horror, or rather, its lack of them. The sockets were empty and black, as if their occupants had been charred to ash. In their place hovered two tiny specks of green light, almost like the flames of two candles. It illuminated the face in a dim, unholy glow. What are you? The wolf cried. The creature's jaw slowly opened as a screeching wail followed. That was all the answer Ross needed. In a flash, the wolf was running. The road back to town was nearby, and he raced back the direction he came. Before he could reach the bridge, the monster slipped out from under it and floated up onto the road, directly in his path. The wolf yelped and turned, darting off the road and into the trees. He didn't care which direction so long as it was away from that thing. Morbid curiosity, as well as a sense of needing to know what he was up against, drove him to glance over his shoulder. What he saw was the wraith giving chase. It flew along the ground, not swiftly enough to catch him, but it didn't need to run. It could likely overtake its prey by wearing it out. Ross turned to look forward again, weaving between the trees in the hopes of losing the beast. He cried out in surprise as he saw his pursuer step out from behind a trunk too thin to conceal him some distance ahead. The wolf skidded to a stop and turned to try a different direction. Again, the creature appeared seemingly from nowhere, causing him to change course once more. It looked as if the beast would cut him off at every turn. And then it hit Ross. He was being herded. The monster was coaxing him in the direction it wanted him to go. By now, he couldn't tell which direction was back towards town, and just as he felt he had presence of mind to stop and take stock of the situation, the creature lunged forward at him, as if it had been upon him the entire time. The wolf shrieked in terror as a root caught one of his paws, and he stumbled onto his back. The impact caused the camera to go off, and a brilliant flash lit up the dark woods. The wraith bellowed in rage and agony as it tried to cover its eyes. Ross glanced down at the device hanging from his neck. 
It didn't like the camera flash. It just might save him. The wolf rolled to one side and scrambled back onto his feet to run with renewed drive. The creature shrieked angrily at him and lunged forward to give chase. Again, it played the game of hurting the wolf, their roles having been reversed to his displeasure. Every effort to evade turned into an effort to keep from running into trees and tripping over roots. Eventually, the sunlight helping Ross ran out. As he weaved about, the ground vanished under him into an incline. The wolf pitched over as he cried out in shock. The hill fed into a small ravine as he tumbled, bouncing off a few rocks, until he landed in a shallow patch of the little river he had crossed reaching the mill. Ross groaned as he rolled onto his side and curled into a fetal position. His back ached and his chest seared in pain. He probably cracked a few ribs on the way down. His arms, legs, and face were pockmarked with scrapes and scratches left by the bushes he rolled through on the way down. He wanted to just lay there and catch his breath. A hiss caught his attention, jerking him back into the reality of the moment. It was still hunting him. Frantically, Ross reached for his camera, finding the lens shattered. The flash looked okay, save for a few dings and scratches. It might still work. If he could just distract the monster, he could rush past it and follow the riverbed back to the bridge. Then he could get back on the road and make for civilization. If the flash still worked, he could just use that to clear the blasted monster out of his way. He had a plan, and it began with him shoving the camera in the creature's face and setting it off. Maybe close proximity hurt it even more. The hovering cloaked figure slipped down into the riverbed and stalked towards the wolf, jaws agape, growling menacingly. As it crept forward, sensing its prey's injuries, Ross collected his camera in his hands, readying himself. Come on! Come get me! He roared defiantly. It felt good letting his inner lupine free for a moment. His attacker obliged, darting towards him with a shriek. Ross grinned softly as he charged to meet it, lifting his camera to push the flash as close to eye level as he could. Say cheese, he cried. A light flashed in the forest. The monster bellowed again. The next morning, the town sheriff trudged along the riverbank. There had been no sign of the photographer from the big city. When the motel manager noticed he hadn't checked out, the police were called. The older, heavy-set wolf grunted as he made his way along from the bridge. He hated this part of the job, but it had to be done. A glint caught his eye in the dry, rocky portion of the riverbed, and he moved to investigate. The sheriff reached down and picked up a brass pin. He frowned and sighed a bit. Guess I better get you back to old man Buckler. A distant hiss caught his attention, and the wolf jerked his head in the direction of the sound. Hovering a couple dozen yards down the river from him was the cloaked monster. It eyed him with its little green flames, and the sheriff shook his head. You've had yours. You're not getting me, too. He looked to the pen. Maybe next year. So that's all we've got for stories. We're all good stories. That was good stories. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope it's crappy. And, and I hope that you don't get turned into a purple puddle or into a plushie and sent through the mail. <laughs> think about the, speaking think about of, the postage. Speaking of puddles and Tim Tams, you know Target has them right now, right? <gasps> yep. I need to go get some. They also have blue Yoshis, apparently. <laughs> Yay, they do. I've been looking at it the whole episode, so if I've been a little bit off, it's because it's of that. seriously through. It's throwing you off, huh? It's so cute. 
right? Like this, this it's, is like Blue Yoshi. Kate, Kate, <laughs> it's it's a Blue Yoshi that's against your blue computer, and it's just so blue, and it's so cute. And Have plus, the Blue Yoshi is the best Yoshi because he can fly when he eats turtle shells. Now this. <laughs> All right, we've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. You know, is he pulling my zipper down or is he pulling your zipper down? He's pulling the zipper down. The zipper down. Yeah. Okay, the zipper. Or is he pulling the audience zipper? Are you sure? So Sounds like it's your zipper down. We Dugs. have. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. As um, Fire Breath has said, we have the mailbag. We do, and you know what? We actually ended up booking out, uh, working Qno's email into the show, so we can go ahead and go right. Uh, Quinn, you're just reading a ton in a row. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, but I, you have. I was hired for my loverly voice. I, your loverly voice. Um, so yeah, you have Misky's email. Misky the barmaid. Hi guys. Uh, perhaps not what you're looking for, but here's a real non-furry ghost story. Maybe not very scary, but it's true. When I was a baby, my parents lived in a pub uh, that was thought to be haunted by all those who lived there before. They had both been scientists uh, before they had chosen to become publicans. Uh, so they were, pretty, they were a pretty skeptical sort. Of course, all old pubs in England allegedly have a ghost of some sort in them, and this one was no exception. The Rose Inn was rather cozy, with only a small amount of living space upstairs, so my cot stood in a corridor-like room between my parents' bedroom and the stairs. The family that leased the pub to us were an old-fashioned sort, and my parents were the first unmarried couple to be allowed to live in the place. One night, my mother awoke to the sound of someone singing a lullaby. Scared that some drunk was locked in the pub, she woke my dad and sent him to see what was going on. As he passed my cot, he noticed that I had kicked off my blanket in my sleep and resolved to tuck me in properly on the way back. He searched downstairs for the source of the singing, but there was no sign that anyone had been down there since they had closed the pub and headed upstairs. Meanwhile, my, my mom lay in bed, listening intently. From my room, she heard the distinctive creak of a baby pulling itself into a standing position on the railings of their cot. At the age... Uh, at that age, I had the habit of standing with my hands on the rail and staring intently into space as if fascinated by some unseen thing, or perhaps a person. Of course, all babies do this. No reason to be alarmed, my parents thought. My father turned, returned upstairs, convinced all was safe. As he passed me, he noticed I was snug, warm, and fast asleep under my blanket. Uh, it had been tucked neatly down the sides of my little mattress. The peculiar singing forgotten, he returned to bed with a smile, but then that smile turned to confusion when my mother spoke. Before you get back into bed, I heard Hannah stand. Uh, I heard Hannah stand in her cot whilst you were downstairs. Could you go tuck her in, please? Who had tucked in my blanket that night? Were they the mysterious source of the singing? Epilogue: The Rose Inn was once the home of a newly married couple. The wife loved children and looked forward to having her own. But shortly after they married and moved into their new home, her husband was called to war. She would have to wait for his return before they, uh, before they could start their family together. Unfortunately, like many others, the young man never returned from the army, and the young widow was left alone in an empty house. 
She still loved children until the day she died, but never had a chance to have her own. Over the years, residents of the Rose Inn have reported a guardian angel who watches over any children who live there. Interesting story. What do you think, Quinn? Uh, it's probably true. It was in a British pub. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, wait. Are you saying British pubs are uniquely qualified at being spoopy? Uh, I No. All stories are true about British pubs. Oh. <laughs> so, um... My bad. <laughs> have you had anything spooky happen to you? Uh... Not really. Not that I wasn't able to ration away. <laughs> That's probably a quarter question. You should get in the sound booth and ask him. Please keep your okay, pants on Okay, hold on, on one second. Hey, Koru. What? <laughs> hey, um, have you had anything spooky happen to you ever before? Not really spooky, but I think unexplained would be there. Um, say somewhere between either aliens or government experiment. So um, I was in Texas. Of course, it's in the south, right? It has to be an alien story. Um, Sitting on the back porch with uh, my stepmom at the time, and it's dark out, and we had a big umbrella and a pool out back, and we were just sitting out underneath the umbrella, even though it's still dark, because of pain in the ass to fold up. And um, we were just talking, and then all of a sudden, the entire sky just lit up, just bright, just a bright flash. And of course, we you know got up out of our chairs and looked around, didn't really see anything didn't hear any, or I mean, didn't see anything out of the ordinary after the flash. Um, didn't hear anything, no wind, the dogs didn't bark, there was no clouds in the sky, just a bright flash that came, and it obviously was from the sky, because we could see the, sh the shadowing from it. We also live next to an Air Force base. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. I've had something spoopy happen to me before. I'm so proud of you using this. So, when I was a good kid, and when I was a missionary, I was in Australia, and I was with my companion, and we were knocking on people's doors, and we approached this house, and um, that uneasy feeling kind of grew greater as we were getting closer and closer to this house, and, and it was dark outside, so um, all that we could see is from the very back of this woman's house, this red light just turned on, and it kind it lit up the um, certain parts of the house, and we heard this noise of this creaking noise as something was getting closer and closer to the door. And the door flung open, and the lady that... Um, that I saw, she must have, I don't know what it was, but she was not, she was not human. She did not look human at all. She, I looked at her eyes and it was pure black and like she had no white in her eyes at all. And I looked around and my companion was completely gone. Like he had ran away from the house and um, I just said, have a good day, ma'am. And turned around and and started, um, you know, going away from the house. And we looked back, and in every single one of her windows, 
there was somebody looking from each window. Different people? Different people looking from the window down at us. Like, and they were these shadowy figures. I think they're fucking with you. And that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that That's funny if they were fucking with you. That's creppy if they weren't. <laughs> okay, so uh, this actually was uh, a chain. And I told him we'd put it in the mailbag. But he basically, uh, this is from Evan. And he said, it would be interesting if you guys talked about stories where you felt like haters were getting to you and what you did to shake it off. And I actually asked him, I was like, do you mean like on a personal level or as a host? Um, and he said his hosts, uh, and so Sorry, I said, what was this question? His... If, if haters have ever gotten to us as hosts. Oh. And, uh, the short version for my perspective of that is, uh, we, we don't really get that much hate mail. And we really per- don't. We, I don't know why, like we're not, we're, well, first off, we're not out there trying to get hate mail. Let's be clear about that. Like if you think something sucks, you can write and tell us. And people generally have been pretty good about saying this thing sucks. Um, not too long ago, we had someone who said that, oh, I don't like this particular thing. Yeah. And we responded to them. I approved. Uh, yeah, and then Koru came along and gave us the token approval we require <laughs> to proceed to use this button. Uh, but when we have gotten hate mail, we usually make a pretty big deal about it. Uh, we had a little bumper using the Care Bears theme and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's been a while. It's been probably since the second season since we've had hate mail. I think we had some in the third, but yeah, we don't, we just don't get it that much. No, and, we don't. Um, but the thing is, is we're not, we're not, I think part of it is we don't try and put our opinion in here too much. It's really just, here's a fact. Here's uh, the best we can do at it. And Well, this is what a, the show's about. It's all yeah. about, you know, what, it, it's a different, different opinion of, it's, it's our opinion. Um, and it's not really our opinions, our guests' opinions. Yeah, so if so. they're offended, then they're offended about the guest and usually they're not offended Yeah, thanks, Quinn. No. <laughs> If this doesn't bring you any hate mail, don't blame me. That's the point. Anyway, so I know that's probably not the answer you are looking for, but the truth is we have not gotten a lot of haters, um, good or bad, but I, I appreciate that we don't have a lot of haters. It's made our, our show a lot more fun. You know, if people sent us emails that that said that we absolutely hate the show, we'd probably just look at it and read it on, read the, air it on the air and laugh at it. Because, and... because it's our show. What are you going to do to us, right? Like, you chose to listen. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I don't know. Maybe it would be different. What if somebody came up to you at a convention at the convention and said, "I hate your show. I think it's a piece of shit." Am I drunk don't or sober? Don't listen to it. They're am they're I, sober. No, am I drunk or sober? Or or people booed us at our live show. Am I drunk or sober? You're you're sober. You're tugs, not drunk tugs. <laughs> they're oh, different. That does not sound like uh, if, if we were in a live show, honestly, and they were be, kind of being an ass, I'd probably kick them out. But you don't be disruptive you know there's there's polite ways to express that you don't like something yep all right he says this is from molin labe the alligator he says hey ruin tugs so i recently started listening to foa a week ago and i must say the show is great by far my favorite furry podcast i love how y'all are organized with the episodes and rue your voice is awesome anyway i was wondering if y'all know any good fur cons in texas or louisiana i'm open to attend one next year and could really use some advice on what to do Thanks for your time and God bless you guys. Colin, close parentheses. Much obliged, Molin Labe the Alligator. Thank you for sending in that email. That happens to be the one that I do have. <laughs> it's the other one. Cool. <laughs> I'll read the other one too. You do no reading today. What? Uh, what? What's your response, madam? Uh, madam, 
Oh, yeah. I am not a madame. Where do you go? Where do you find cons in in? Well, Tejas has uh, furry fiesta and furry siesta. <laughs> siesta. They really have both. Are you serious? I am very serious. Um, now here's the thing. Uh, you can find cons online. Uh, there's a comp- comprehensive list on Wikifur. Yep, that's where I usually go is because because they have it in order of like the dates. The web. The web. Find it on the interwebs. Are you okay over there? You just you're just both dying. You guys are hilarious. <laughs> That's why I listened to your show. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love the next episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the wheels fell off. Right off. Well. Oh yeah. You um, only just noticed this. Oh, I was gonna say. So, if, but if, when you do go to your first con, we do want to give you some advice when it goes like this. Don't destroy your room. Don't put towels in things where they don't belong. Don't put them in holes where they don't belong. <laughs> don't put them in machines where they don't belong. Don't go doing drugs all over the place. Don't mix drugs. Choose one thing you're going to imbibe and go crazy with and stick with it. Don't go do too much of that one thing. Don't mix it with other things. Don't be an ass to people. So in other words, don't do weed and alcohol at the same exact time, especially when it's your first time. Uh, I'm not meaning go... just weed because you can get a lot of different things at a con. Anyways, um, summarize everything. Don't, don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a rainforest attendee. <laughs> you were a rainforest attendee. I know. So don't be tugs. Is that what you're telling the audience? <laughs> don't. Was this yeah. you? No. The whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. If I did that shit, I'd own it. And I didn't do that shit because I'm not dumb. All right, audience. Here you go. Confession time. Tugs was the one. Out in the lobby. It was totally him. Yes, it was Tugs with a towel in the hot tub. Yep. <laughs> it's just like a shitty version of Clue for yeah. furries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Furcon Clue. Totally. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. I want the trademark on that. There's, like, uh, con space, and then, like, the dealer den could be a room, then the hot tub could be a room. It was Kage in the library. <laughs> with oh, my gosh. Wrench. With With sake. <laughs> with sake. <laughs> This is a terrible idea. Someone should make it. Bad dragon toy could be one of the murder weapons. Oh, my God. Yeah, or bondage gear. Stop. Stop <laughs> giving away the game. Stop. If, will... if you want to uh, fund the... this project, we will be starting our Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> the elevator will be a room as well. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. you have to roll like a you have to roll a seven to get out of it. So good luck. <laughs> You have to have a you have to have a D seven. Yeah, you have one. to you have to roll a, a six sided die and uh, yeah, roll a seven. Yep. There we go. Hotel clue, and it will have like no. two three layers. No, no. it's furcon clue. Oh, furcon. Yeah, we just need to delete this whole segment so we can make it. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> no. also, you may notice that if you wind up in the Hilton room, you never get to come out. What? <laughs> or they don't let you in. We haven't figured that part out yet. <laughs> All right, so let's move right along to the other email Rue didn't have, which was from Frederick the Fox. Uh, and he says, Dear Rue, Tugs, and Koru, during my freshman year of high school, my friends and I decided to go as cholos. I love this idea. As we were walking, some people apparently called the cops because they thought we were making graffiti around the neighborhood. Long story short, I stayed in with a bag of Snickers every year since. Yours truly, Frederick the Fox. Well, Frederick, in answer to your question, I think that was a wise decision. <laughs> Rue, what do you think about his question? Uh, 
I'm so off topic right now. Is, uh, do I need to move Yoshi? Hold on. Yoshi's so cute. Oh, thank you. My Yoshi. All right. What did you think of his question? What was his question? <laughs> All right. Good answer. Quinn, what did you think of his question? Uh, uh, I... I uh, don't I didn't understand the <laughs> beginning of it, and I kind of got the end of it. So yeah, what you're saying is that you appreciated the vulgarity. Oh uh, yes, yes, and it, it really uh, the the use of uh, symbolism really uh, brought out the, uh, <laughs> the humanity of the vulgarity. The vulgarity. Vulga excuse me. Good. Please don't throw me out the airlock. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Except uh, my only complaint is that I would not eat Snickers. Nuts in my dessert do not go together, and we only have two of them, and we're sharing them. So I don't want them Nuts. in my dessert. What was that? <laughs> Please see the Did show opening for the joke. Uh, all right, we have one last email, and it's from Leo. Um, he says, trick or treat, foa, bang, bang. I love Halloween. Free candy for minimal exercise, and the little kids in their cute costumes with terrified faces when walking up to at creppy decorated houses. Ah, good memories. Back to the point. I'm not a poet or writer of any caliber, and I can't do much else, but I drew you two up all in quicken. My apologies to Firebreath and Cora. I don't know what you look like. So I don't have pictures for you guys, but I'll make it up to you. Carrot W. Carrot. Anyway, keep them treats flowing and the jack-o'-lantern candle a-flickering all night. Signed, Leo the Artiste. And there's attachments. Well, thank you, Leo. I'm wearing, uh, oh, I'm Captain N, and you are Cookie Monster. Of course what? you're Cookie Monster. Ro, who is Captain N? Captain N is an 80s cartoon in which um, has an individual that gets transported into a video game world. And he has an NES controller and the Zapper. And they fight battles against, um, what's his Mother name? Brain. Mother Brain. Oh, okay. Mother Brain and the guy from Kid Icarus. The guy from Kid Icarus. The, the wizard that's an eggplant, eggplant guy. Eggplant wizard? I don't know what his name is. His name is Eggplant Wizard. Oh, Eggplant Wizard. And then other things. But they go through different, like games and stuff like that yeah it was like the mashup of all the nintendo cartoons it was so it, was good. It sounds familiar was it published in nintendo power or was it a complete separate it was a dick cartoon like, oh <laughs> oh Deke. got it yeah or the french yeah Deke. yeah okay yeah i know what you're talking about now that little kid looking out that window oh yeah all Deke. the time no <laughs> You just ruined it. <laughs> and then they came up with a ladder bumper that was the wonderful world of Dick. I think we're done. <laughs> no, we're not done. I got to push this other button. Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping. <laughs> My field really is barren and out of fucks. You do this part. All right, everybody. This is this is Rue doing housekeeping. All right, everybody, please comment on the site. We love it when we see comments on the site because it makes it look like that people actually do listen to the show. Um, please also comment on Twitter because we love you there. Also, please make sure that you follow us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, 
all of those wonderful things. And if you tweet at us, we'll twat back. We'll twat back <clears> to you. <throat> also, thank you so much for doing iDents. We love iDents. Yes. So, so we're also going to go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say that people need to comment on our iTunes, but never mind. Yeah, I did say iTunes already. You are asleep, and Yoshi's on the microphone. <laughs> it's so cute. Rue, what are we doing next episode? Oh well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choices. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What the hell? What? Can you can you just try that again? Hold on, before you even try again, you you've earned this. Read that again. Did you say limbago? Yeah, he did. Limboing. 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 Oh, limboing in Idaho. What? Or. Or, coming out <laughs> to your parents. Now, what are you talking about with that? Like when you tell your parents you're gay. Okay, so I don't think it should just be coming out to your parents. I think it should just be coming out. No, no. It could be coming out furry. No, you don't come out as furry. Let's be very clear about this. You don't come out as furry ever. It is no. impossible to come out as furry. Uh, That's like coming out about liking Monopoly. You don't. Coming out that you're gay. To your parents. There's a reason for this. Why is it just your parents? Because it's because the, you could come out to anybody. This is true. Ru, you're very right. But the reason I wanted to, uh, or that I was saying to your parents when we were, is because um, it's much more personal and emotionally powerful and difficult when it's your parents. It's, I mean, it's hard when it's anybody, but your parents are the hardest one for a How lot of people. How about coming out to your family? No, I still think it's harder when it's your mom and dad. If, if it's your mom and dad, because you, you feel like what they're supposed to... What about your brothers and sisters? Let me finish. Grandma? Because your aunt? <laughs> Just go ahead. Because, because your parents are supposed to love you unconditionally, and you're putting that on the line, and it's really hard. And you could risk losing that. And if you do lose that, the impact lasts forever. Like, you have to go to a therapist, basically, at that point to get it fixed. Um, and so I feel like putting that in there is very important. So we, I think it's, it's a good angle. Um, I agree with him. I like Just limbagoing now. in Idaho. I think that's what I love. Limbago, <laughs> Idaho. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> limbago, Idaho. No. Um, okay, so our next episode, what we want to hear from you is once again um, coming out to your parents. So please send us emails um, about coming out to your parents that, that either you're gay or... A bicycle. A bicycle. Yeah. Or lesbian. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I never look at boobs. Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. I love the ladies. That Yoshi is just so <laughs> I adorable. Really up. It ha uh, we have to, okay, okay. We have to take a picture we did. of did. it. We're way ahead of you. So cute. Um, anyway, no, the thing is, is we can't talk about boobs because someone might think I have them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So there is a special announcement here. Next episode. That's we gonna have, be coming out next episode. We have a huge important for her, we hope, huge important announcement next episode. Um, so y'all should tune in. And once again, please, 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 please um, come and join Ruchi Lexico. And maybe Tugs will pop in. Cross fingers. 
Um, you know, for the Extra Life stream, please. Wow, it just totally glazed over me. Thanks. Oh, and Koru. <laughs> of course. I like being anal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we also like to thank Quinn. Quinn, the storm cloud. I mean, storm. <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> Quinn Stormcloud, the squirrel. From Limpago, Idaho. Idaho. I'm done. (laughs) Quinn, I just want you to know that I know you're not a Stormcloud. I was going to do a nut joke, but I couldn't make it up in time. Thank you for coming out. So how can they follow you? How can how can they reach out to you? How Where can, do you? How can our audience stalk you? I am everywhere, so you should be able to find me pretty easily. I'm on Fur Affinity at Del, uh, slash Del Cambo with an underscore. Uh, I s- probably should update that soon. Uh, I'm on Weasel at Quinn Stormcloud and Ink Bunny and So Furry. Now, do you write your cub stories on Ink Bunny? Cub stories? I don't I don't write. I'm an I'm an artist. <laughs> I, oh, so you put your cub porn on English. Yes, there we go. Oh, no. Okay. What? <laughs> but he is an artist and he's actually a really, really good artist, so please reach out to him. And um And Quinn the Storm Cloud will rain on your field devoid of all the fucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no fucks today. Ah ah ah. Are you regretting coming on our episode today? <laughs> No, I'll probably be back for more of this debauchery. Eventually. You didn't Eventually. even get a game. That's how good it was. We didn't need to give you a game. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, it's been great. I hope that you have a wonderful and safe Halloween. Whatever you may be doing, don't be in a ditch. You know, um, drinking and <laughs> doing drugs. <laughs> what? Like half the audience is like, well, no, guess I ain't doing any of what he just said. Well, you can go do it. Just don't do it in a ditch. All right. This is going on too long. This is Tugs. This is Rue. And Karu. And Quinn Stormcloud. And you're listening to For, For What, what it's, it's Worth. Oh, and this has been For, For What, what it's, it's Worth. worth. <laughs> what? The, what? What? Did you, you didn't even say it either time, did you? I did not. You still have to say it. Oh. I like being anal. Ah! <laughs> say it. For What It's Worth. Thank you. Thank it's you. over.